course, tomorrow is Truth and Reconciliation Day. A little bit awkward this year because it falls on a Saturday. But fortunately, schools around the country, around the province, are uh, taking a look at some of the ways that we can celebrate and have been doing this today. And there have been plenty of topics and ways to explore this. One of them is the notion that comes across of um, Indigenous resurgence. It's an important one and one where papers have been written and there's so much to explore here. But just as a bit of a refresher, I've just pulled out a couple of quotes. Uh, What is Indigenous resurgence? Well, this is an act of decolonization where Indigenous communities are reconnecting with their traditional cultural practices. And to go along with that, another quote. In response to colonization, Indigenous people have not only resisted colonial violence, but they have found ways to reclaim their cultural identity in the process of this resistance. Well, this would cover so much different territory, but one of the interesting things is there is a connection between this Indigenous resurgence and sports. And for that, we bring in Dr. Janice Forsyth, a professor in the School of Kinesiology at UBC. Dr. Professor, thanks so much for being with us. And did I get that right, or am I leaving out a whole bunch when it comes to Indigenous resurgence? Um, well, I think basically uh, that's right. Um, it's it's a good way to describe, um, I think, what a resurgence is. It can be a hard concept to, to kind of grasp, but I think the way you framed it is really understandable. So let's make the connection then between cultural practices with Indigenous mm-hmm. resurgence and sports. It is your area of research. What are we talking about here? Um, right. So uh, I, I think the, the basic thing, the, the, the nugget that people need to understand is that Indigenous people had their own uh, sports and games before Canada was was colonized and settled, um, and those uh, land-based practices were absolutely central to who they were as people. It, um, you know, it was their training for life on the land. Um, they they practiced their ceremonies with it. Um, you know, it, it's how they lived their just their, their land-based lifestyles, and it was for fun um, and health and and all of the things you know that we talk about today, but. They had their own sports and games before colonization came along, and people are starting to um, learn about those again and starting to practice them again at the same time that they're moving and continue to move into the mainstream to, to do sports. You know, the way I learned about it uh, in coming up through school, and very superficial and, uh, and uh, certainly probably not in the right context, was, oh, lacrosse, that came from Indigenous people. And many people today still associate uh, sport with the Indigenous community just with lacrosse. There's so much mm-hmm. more to it. Tell me about some of the different sports. Yeah, well, you know, you can think about the sports, like their their physical culture, a lot like languages. Um, you know, there's hundreds of Indigenous languages uh, just in Canada alone. And if those languages represent um, nations, then you could also imagine that each nation had their own sports and games. And so um, before colonization, there would have been thousands and thousands of different types of sports and games um, being played. The fact that we only know lacrosse, um, I think, speaks to the way in which it was appropriated by George Beers, who's a Montreal dentist, and then worked really hard to promote it. 
Um, so, you know, if you want to take a look up in the far north, um, that's a very um, another place where we can see indigenous sports and games. Um, but these ones are really interesting because they've been transformed by indigenous people and put on a stage like themselves. So they did that. It wasn't someone else appropriating their their sports and then um, putting them into the mainstream. So if you take a look at the Arctic Winter Games, um, there are indigenous games that are part of that mainstream event. And uh, for decades, Indigenous people were working hard to try and get them into, um, uh, worked hard to get them into the, the Arctic Winter Games. So it would be like the, the stick pull, the pull push, um, the airplane, um, different versions of the high kick. And, and all of those were um, events that would have helped them to, to train on the land. It would have prepared them for their land-based lifestyles. If you want to explore some of these as continuing sports in our society today in 2023, is it something that we want to stay legitimately and authentically with the Indigenous community? Or is there a place to branch out and bring more people in? You know what? Um, I mean, I I can't speak for communities because, um, you know, each nation uh, gets to decide themselves, you know, how they want their culture represented on a larger stage. Um, but there are many Indigenous um, nations, many Indigenous peoples who want their games um, developed and shared uh, with a wider audience, um, you know, because they, they want their culture to, to be known, too. Um, so it, it really depends, like, you know, on the nation and, and whose cultural practices we're talking about and, and what they'd like to do with them. I see that sports and games are often considered as quiet tools for resistance. Mm-hmm. What does that mean, especially for boys? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that's really interesting. Um, so uh, when the residential schools were um, being uh, set up in a big way in, in the late 1800s, uh, and especially through the 1900s when sports became a really important part of residential school curriculum, uh, part of the system, uh, boys who had more opportunities and access than girls um, were encouraged to, to participate in sports. Uh, because the the teachers and the administrators of the the residential school system thought it was a good way for them to assimilate because they thought it would um, replace uh, their old-time traditions and uh, make them be more like uh, Canadians. And so um, sports, as as you probably know, uh, um, is often very um, interior. It it allows people to feel and, and think certain things that they don't have to express verbally and so in a way it was a very um, private uh, way to um, resist um, their assimilation and and still maintain some sense of who they were so they could be playing um, basketball um, and not letting go of their indigenous identity and feeling pride you know in who they were um, you know as an indigenous kid growing up in a system that was meant to erase their culture so it was really a quiet way of um, resisting overt assimilation. Is it multi-generational then? Uh, the quietness? Yes. <laughs> um, it can be. Uh, I mean, if you think about it from the point of view of people who, um, you know, who, who've been um, forced uh, to lose their culture and, and change uh, profoundly, um, you know, they find different ways of communicating and uh, resisting and sometimes, you know, being quiet isn't acquiescence. It isn't about, um, you know, deferring to the dominant um, culture. It, it also can be a way to just um, hold what is very near and dear to you, to your heart, to protect it 
Um, and I think most people could relate to that. I think we've all been in situations where you just, you know, go quiet. Um, and uh, in many cases, um, you know, for Indigenous people, it's uh, oftentimes doing that more often than they should have to. What's the understanding that's going to be coming out of the research that can actually help lead to more positive change? Uh, well, I mean, in the area of sport, um, it's about how can sport, um, as, uh, as a practice, how can the rules for sport and the way in which people engage in sport um, be extended so that Indigenous people can feel more welcome in mainstream spaces? So that means addressing things like racism, um, in, in, in all of the ways it gets expressed, like in poverty, overt racism, um, you know, being discriminated against by not being um, accepted onto a team or not even being encouraged to be on a team, um, to uh, supporting traditional Indigenous physical practices. Um, so, for instance, if we think about, um, you know, land-based uh, practices and the people from the north who transform their sports and games and um, into things like a pull push and um, the, the stick pull and, and whatnot. You know, if, if we take a look at, um, you know, the way many people think about sport, they probably wouldn't consider that sport. And for many years, Sport Canada didn't either. Um, and so there are many traditional Indigenous practices that are not considered sport, um, but they are by Indigenous standards. And so, um, I think we need to take a, a wider look at what constitutes sport as a healthy part of community practice. How is your research being uh, considered or picked up or not picked up by the established mm-hmm. sports communities, uh, sports bodies across the country? Are they taking this seriously? Are they talking mm-hmm. with you? Or is there still a need for a conversation? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I think, um, uh, it's you know, and it's a really tough question. Uh, my 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 initial thought is it's it's being taken up in some uh, areas where, um, like in education, for instance, in physical education, I think there are more and more people who are thoughtful about their approach to what they do in the classroom, um, and not so much in sport because it really is performance driven, and they've got a very um, narrow focus in terms of what they think needs to be addressed when it comes to um, making sport better, and very rarely do they do give deep thought to the culture, you know, of sport. And so we see that, you know, in different areas, for instance, right now, there's the the whole kind of safe sport, abuse of sport issue um, that has been left to to linger and fester. Um, In this case, it's uh, people just don't know what to do with it because they haven't spent a lot of time and I don't think they have the tools um, to to think through, um, you know, what it means to uh, do Indigenous sport or, or how to think about sport differently or, um, or, or how to broaden, you know, what it is that they do for sport to make it more meaningful to, to create that sense of belonging. So it's, there's still so much work to do in sport. I would say more than most sectors like education or health. I think health and education are just leaps and bounds ahead of sport. It's an interesting area, a fascinating area of study and research, and thanks so much for sharing your thoughts with us and letting us understand that connection between sports and this. Thank you. Great. Thank you for your time.